As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazette. I'm glad you've decided to check out the Relational Leader Podcast. Whether you're a lead pastor or just a volunteer leader or staff person in your church, we all go through so many things in ministry and we have to make so many decisions and deal with so many things that a lot of times we're unsure of what to do. So I wanted to have a place where we could sit together and have conversations about real topics, real things that we're dealing with, and could glean and grow and get some wisdom from those things. And I think if we do that, then we can all be better if we're learning through this together. So that's the heart of this podcast. I pray that you learn something today, that you grow and you become better in who you are as a person and as a leader. And I pray today that this podcast blesses you. Well, good morning or afternoon, I should say, listeners, whatever time it is that you're joining us. We're so glad that you joined us for this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I am Kristen, and as always, I am joined by Pastor Randy. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Uh, in a lot of ways, I'm doing great. In a lot of ways, we're still managing all this coronavirus and <laughs> oh aren't we this life but we're and, getting close to making some changes yes indeed i don't know where people are listening from some people are probably ahead of this reopening curve sure. and some people are lagging and the good news is we've all been in this thing together and uh man i'm i'm ready to talk about it one day as a hey remember when? <laughs> <laughs> i think we all are that is for sure oh man well you know i'm i'm really um i'm really I, I don't know the right word to use for this podcast mm -hmm. topic today. Um, it, it is such a, you know, coronavirus is not the uh, only thing that we are facing in uh, right our now. world right now. Yep. And uh, it's not even the most important thing that we are facing or um, the most, uh, the, the, the thing that saddens me the most. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that we're going to have a conversation today that I really believe is going to help um, all of the pastors and ministry leaders that are listening to this podcast. And, you know, it's a topic, Pastorini, that we don't always know how to talk about, um, but it's so important that we do talk about it. And, uh, and it's this topic of race and the church. And as the church and as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, what do we do? How do we, um, it, how do we show Jesus when our world is, is looking very unlike Man, Jesus? We've been never probably been more splintered and uh, kind of uh, set in, in, in factions, if you will, mm -hmm. in our country. I don't know. I, I haven't been along, uh, you know, living that long. And some people think I'm like about ready to kick the bucket. Okay, <laughs> but but in terms of this country and all that we've been through, uh, I haven't seen it all. But my, I just can't imagine there's ever been a time when our country was more divided and more tense than it is right now. 
in this conversation, you're right. It's needed. It's relevant. Uh, by the way, let me just say, give a disclaimer right now. We're going to speak about this topic of racial tension in our country, but I'm not speaking about this because I figured it out. I'm speaking about this because mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn in, in all this. So you're going to hear real kind of here's what I think and here's what I'm trying to learn and grow from. And mm -hmm. that's we just decided to turn a microphone on yeah. while we're doing this. So uh, it is needed right now. It is. And I think we should as leaders. We better understand our heart and God's heart and in uh, our heart better be like God's. And the more we can do that, then I think the better postured we will be as a church to help our country because I think we we are the ones that have the answer to problems. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I love what you said because that's exactly what this is going to be. And it's it's a conversation and it's not a conversation that stops when this you know 30 minute podcast ends but our prayer is that this would be something that helps you start a conversation even in your circles and in your communities um, and in your churches and on your church staff and so um, we have invited some really great mm -hmm. friends uh, to join us and really help us along in this conversation and uh, Pastor Randy you've known these these two pastors for quite some time so. I, have, I have I'm really excited today to have uh, first of all Pastor Bernard Scott. He's uh, one of our pastors here. He's on the leadership team here at Bayside. Uh, him and his wife, Liz, have been on staff for six years, almost close to seven now. But I've known you for a long time, Bernard. We met, uh, we were just discussing this and remembering back when. Uh, I thought it was in 95, uh, but, but it was even a year or so before that when we met. Yeah, yeah, it was 93, I think it was when his wedding was. That's a long time ago. It is a long a mutual time friend of ours that we didn't we didn't even know each other, but through this guy we met at this yeah. wedding, and we started a relationship. And ever since then, uh, I just felt like you know you just connect. If you know Bernard, then you know he's everybody loves Bernard. Yeah. And I, so <laughs> I'm just true. one so. of the millions of people that just immediately thought that's my brother uh -huh. right there, man. And so, uh, but I felt that way. And anyway, it's been a long relationship. And when I started the church. I'd have you come and speak all the time. You're you were a church favorite, uh, so much so that they promised uh, to like vote me out if I didn't hire you. <laughs> I do think there's some truth to that. So, so. We don't vote on those things. No, we don't. But, they, but if we did, there was going to be a coup at least. So. <laughs> but uh, so uh, it's so good it's to good just do to ministry in life with you. And thanks for helping me with pastors. Well, helping me with myself first. Mm -hmm in this conversation and uh so i love you bernard thank you love you too pastor randy yeah, thank man. you and uh so we also have a great friend of mine uh, ken ken and tabitha they pastor an incredible church called alive church they are a multi-site church uh moved down to florida from dc uh this man is it preaches fire he's a great leader leads a great family uh his kids love the church and love each other and love their family so that's that's how immediately how you know uh, is the leadership at the home first. And I've gotten to know you uh, the last six years, seven years, and uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you, your heart for the church. Uh, you have a church in Gainesville, Florida. That's where you planted first. Now you have a campus as well in Orlando. You're just an incredible leader. You're a great friend. You've challenged me and encouraged me, and I'm really honored, Ken, to, to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Such an honor. Yeah, I love it. 
Well, uh, we're going to jump into the conversation today and, um, and really just, just, just talk. That's what this podcast is all about. Um, we don't necessarily have all the answers, but um, sometimes just leaning into a conversation really helps you learn more than, than anything else. And, you know, it, there's no denying the, the racial tension that is happening uh, across our nation right now. And, um, and I'm so thankful for the awareness that has been brought in the conversations that so many of our listeners, I'm sure, are already having in their communities um, because it is leading towards so much positive change. Um, you know, but a lot of this was recently kind of set ablaze with the death of George Floyd. And, um, mm. you know, when I go back to that, maybe we could use that as a jumping off point just to kind of hear your hearts. And, you know, when 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 all of that surfaced and when George Floyd's murder happened, what was the what came to your mind in your heart? What 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 emotions did that bring up at, at, when when all this came out? Can I um, I'd love to respond to that. Uh, but I want to first say thank you, Pastor Randy, for having this conversation um, because, you know, my experience through this whole thing has been there's a lot of voices, uh, there's a lot of talking, there's a lot of uh, commotion and all of that. And I believe that the church knows the one who has the answer mm -hmm. and that we should be able to provide another voice. And so thank you for giving us this opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, when when i know that for me personally when uh that happened with uh george floyd um for me it was another trigger mm -hmm. so uh because there have been experiences that i've you know had my my in my lifetime um yeah. that you know were unfortunate they were painful they were hurtful and to watch how it happened it 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 i was filled with all kinds of emotion um there was fear there was um, there was um, hurt. There was, uh, I was confused. I started having irrational thoughts. You know, your mind just starts going places while you're trying to, you know, comprehend what you're watching. And Would you mind, Bernard? Uh, because I started having these conversations with you about all of this mm -hmm. early on and some other people as well. But I'm telling you the context of what you were feeling and thinking and why mm -hmm. the why that that triggered all those things and going back to those if if you wouldn't mind sure would you please give a little context to what you yeah. were feeling and why you were feeling fear and hurt yeah uh so you know th there's some personal stories that have happened with me some interactions that i've had one with uh police officers um that uh frankly just it immediately triggered some things. I was raised seeing that there was this kind of stuff that happened in the past, and you hope that it wouldn't happen again. And so, for me, it definitely did trigger some things. I, I remember, you know, one time specifically, I was walking to work, and uh, as I was walking to work, um, I, I, from work, I would go to school. I was in college, and I would carry my gym bag, and I played uh, softball, so I had my softball gear and my bat and all that kind of stuff and it's you know 5 30 in the morning it's still dark outside and a car comes up behind me real slow and and then there's a floodlight and a loudspeaker says pull over uh, he says to to drop your weapon and i'm i'm confused because i'm like i don't i don't have a weapon drop your weapon drop your weapon 
And I realized that I needed to drop my bag and my baseball gear. So I just dropped it and put my hand on the hood of the car, get frisked, go through that whole thing. So for me, that had happened a couple different times in my life. So when that happened with George Floyd, it really just triggered some things. And the thoughts that I began to have immediately was that could have been me. Uh, mm. that, that, that could have been me. And then the, uh, the rush of emotions and just the irrational thought because I'm in an environment that's diverse, but I'd felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to, mm. to process that. So mm. in my processing, I said, you know what? I don't want to get unhealthy in my thought process so that I react. So I, I immediately called my counselor and said, I, I gotta talk because this triggered some emotions in me that I got to talk through so that I can respond right because not only am I a black man but I am also a pastor a leader in this community and uh, the community that I'm in there's not a lot of people that look like me so how do I uh, get be healthy so that I can help our church respond mm -hmm. the right way you know I, I I can speak as a as a as just a person a human being I've never been told to put my bag down and put my hands on the hood of a car just because of the color of my skin. And I, that stuff is it's foreign to me. I uh, And I'm sure all of you guys listening, and none of you would call yourself racist, and, and I'm not racist, and I'm not trying to say that you are, but I can't even empathize because I've never had anything like that happen. And uh, so... Man, it's been eye-opening to me because I sat down. I, let me just encourage pastors. Here's what I did that so I could learn what we're learning right now. But I did this with people in our congregation. I sat around with eight people in a room immediately after this this happened. and uh, Not immediately, but, but after this happened. And I sat down with them, and I just said, like you, what did you feel? What's going on in your heart? And for two and a half hours, they just all spoke. And I learned things just like this story you just shared. I learned that, and uh, bro, it just opened my eyes and made me realize how much I do not understand. And I think, as a pastor, that's that's where we should start. Start seeking to understand. Tell me, sit down with some African Americans in your church, and just ask them, "What are you feeling? What are you thinking? How are you processing?" Just give them an opportunity in a closed door, no microphones, no agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm not trying to build a sermon. I just want to get to help. I need. I need to understand you. I want to help. I want to be a better person. Man, it rocked my world. In fact, I, I never can even think about it without tearing up like I am right now because I learned so much. You know, understanding is um, it's it's a powerful thing when when we when we take time to understand. And you know, I think about the listeners that are listening right now. Um, you know, Pastor Bernard, Pastor Ken, what can you share that would help um, a white listener understand something that they have never experienced before simply because of the color of their skin? How can we understand better? I don't know. I feel like um, this podcast is huge. I think when you open up the conversation and you really lean in with the heart to understand, that's huge. I think what Pastor Randy said as it relates to, um, you have to be very intentional with who's in your inner circle. I think in the church, we can sometimes be exclusive more than inclusive. That's good. Because the church is not a corporate entity, it is a social one. So we only invite people to church that we know. 
and we do life with people that we know. But if you don't know any people of different races, well, then you're already at a loss. And so I think it's important to be very intentional with going after people that do not look like you. And I'm teaching that to my children. I'm hoping that those pastors who are listening will start to have conversations with your kids. If they have all white friends, they're missing some of the flavor that God put in the earth. You, you, there's a shortage of understanding of humanity. And so if you have all black friends, I'm really encouraging people to step outside of their circle and be very intentional. And I think that when we open up the conversation and we allow ourselves space to be wrong, I think so many times we try to um, cover up the conversation uh, so we don't offend people. And especially with the George Floyd um, situation, you need to give people an opportunity to believe. You need to give them an opportunity to hurt in front of you without jumping to judgment. And sometimes we try to shift the narrative from um, the death of a person to our respect for the police or Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. And I think that's a lack of empathy because when people are hurting, we should hurt. And I think that when we begin to change the narrative and we begin to say, well, what about this that's happened? What about that's happening? And I'm white, I've never experienced that. We are forgetting the fact that we just need to lean in. And I think it's so important that when we have um, real raw conversations like this and we give people an opportunity to be human. And so one of the things we did in our church is I did a Zoom call first with my leaders and I say, um, who hurts? Uh, just tell me where you're hurting. And I have a very diverse church. At first, we were 99% black, and now we're 50-50. Black, white, yellow, brown. It really is um, very, very multiracial. So I have everybody on the line, and I know that everyone's hurting. There's some white people that are hurting because they darned if they do, darned if they don't. They don't know what to say. There's guilt. There's, 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 there's um, a lack of understanding. There's black people that's hurting, and I just let them spill it. And I said, hey, if you vent and you say something that's wrong, it's okay. We're still going to love you. And I think that, you see, people are going to do two things. They're either going to hold it in and it's going to hurt them and it's going to poison them mm. or they're going to let it out. And I'd rather you vomit on me so that I can kind of lead you through that moment. And so I did that with our leaders. And then I opened it up to the entire church the um, night before last. And I said, okay, just tell me everything that you feel. And I think that if we create those safe places where people are like, this is what I've been through. This is what hurt me, where we don't minimize their pain. You know, one of the worst things we could do is put our head in the sand and act like racism mm. doesn't exist. And I think that's what the church has done for so long. And I thank God for the season of unveiling where we can say, oh, my God, we've been handling so many other issues, but we forgot this main thing mm. that even though we say all men are created equal, really, we don't treat each other that way. And so I think the conversation is huge because this is where it all starts. I heard a comedian the other day uh, talking about this very same thing, and he was like, uh, talking about the Black Lives Matter and his well, no, all lives matter, and he was making a, a joke out of it. But the reality of it is that the way he turned it is like if you went to your spouse and say, "Do you love me?" Now, well, I love everybody, mm -hmm. so that means I love you. Well, it, there was no way that would work. So when do when somebody asks you, "Do Black Lives Matter?" You can't say, "Well, all lives matter." It would be the same thing as equivalent saying that to your spouse. Right. So to, to empathize with them, Ken, what you were saying is that why can't we, when people are hurting at this time, go, yep, black lives, they absolutely, they matter. Well, yeah, many times when we begin the conversation, we begin to talk about the flag or, and we can't let the flag blindfold us. Like I consider myself, my, my, my thought process is I'm conservative in my worldview. I'm more of a, a capitalist than a socialist. I'm that black guy that you don't see on TV a whole lot. 
But and I'm a patriot. I love my nation and I have great police officers in our church. But sometimes when it comes to racial stuff, we allow the, the flag to blindfold us to the injustices that are happening. And so what we have to do is when people say I've been wrong, this is what's happening. We can't change the narrative just because we stand for something doesn't mean we stand against something else. And I think that some people, when they hear our stand for black lives, they hear that we're standing against them. And that's not what's being said at all. Mm. And that's the, that's the problem is we don't know how to address it in this moment because no matter where you stand, like you say, okay, yeah, black lives matter. I agree. They do matter. Then you got a whole nother group of people that you all of a sudden you full of bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? What about the blue lives? You know, and and but and they do matter. All lives matter. But right. when 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 your wife is hurting and she's giving birth to a baby, you don't go. Well, you know, there's other people in the hospital hurting too. Let me go check on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, you better be right there. You better run with some hot water, <laughs> and you better go. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry. You know. <laughs> right. So, you know, with with this, there are so many different ways to respond and people are responding and reacting in so many different mm-hmm. ways. Um, wh- how do you all feel that the church and our pastors and church leaders should respond to show empathy and, and show the heart of Christ? What What's the best way to respond in this? Well, uh, I, I just want to say this, and then and then I want I want to hear from from you, pastors Ken and, and Bernard. I can tell you that that moment of sitting in a place of understanding, Pastor Ken, you talked about it just a moment ago. I sat in that meeting for two and a half hours. I didn't make a statement. I asked clarifying questions. So what? Now, how did that make you feel? And what do you think that was meant by that? I, I, there were things that don't don't get me wrong i had thoughts in my mind go well well let me tell you what that white person when they said that probably what they really meant but that was not the time when people are bleeding is not the time to go but let me tell you why they kicked you or why they said that mean to you it, it you know that that is not the time it's like whoa you're hurting let let me help you with your pain later on you know i think the other side of it issues they there's things to learn but right now mm-hmm. it's not the time to teach people that are hurting anything it's time to just right. sit in the seat with them and that right. that helped that's what i'm trying to tell you okay let me say it this way those two and a half hours where i sat and listened to a conversation i learned more in my lifetime that two and a half hours was the most revelatory time besides salvation that I've ever had in my life. Wow. I learned more in those two and a half hours than That's any huge. other time in that my life except salvation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a statement. Yeah, it is. And that's where what you did, Pastor Randy, was you leaned in. Um, and and I believe that, you know, all of this division, it's designed to separate us. You know, I when we were talking before, I told you, I said it, it's not a coincidence that COVID came and isolated everybody. Mm-hmm. And on the heels of that, you have this racial issue that comes. So now everybody's isolated with people that only look like them. So they start having a conversation with people that only look like them because we're isolated. And it's all we were made to be in community. And for so long, you know, you've heard the statement before, even on Sundays is the most 
segregated time because mm-hmm. there's a white church, there's a black church. Mm-hmm. And what all this has done, I, I, I do believe that God is working in, behind the scenes, but it's opening up awareness, it's opening up conversation. And I think it's important that people lean into the relationship. Sometimes people don't lean in because they're afraid. Um, or they already have a preconceived idea, and that's where I think I heard you say, you know, everybody has a, a prejudice. And I, if we're not willing to lean in, not only empathize, but seek understanding, connect with our brothers and sisters, because that's what we are, we can't even uh, we can't even move forward. We have to be willing to move in. That's good. Sure. Pastor Kim, would you add anything to this? Yeah, you know, I think it's good to say, first off, I'm a black man, and Bernard's a black man as well. If you're, this is a podcast, they might not be able to <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, sure. How would they know? <laughs> of, the, of the panel here. I've never looked um, so good being yeah. around you two guys in all my life, let me just say. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't lead my church as a black man. I lead my church as a man of God that happens to be black. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important that the church looks for a kingdom perspective. So we're going to have all kinds of narratives in the land. Of course, we have protests, we have riots that we don't agree with, that we stand against. But the crazy thing is, is that none of them have the answer. No matter how many protests you have, no matter how many petitions you have, no matter how much legislation you pass, it's still a spiritual root. Racism from the devil and from hell. And as the church, we need to lead the way in that. And see, the problem that we have right now is even with certain groups. There are certain groups that are leading the way right now, but the undertone is not something that we as believers would align with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great opportunity for the church to step up and to say, hey, um, we have a a third option, like Miles McPherson will say, so to say, we have another option of how we are going to deal with the sin that is in the land, and his name is Jesus. Mm. And it's time for us to unite, but I think that the church has to be very, very, very intentional. And so over, it took me 10 years to really realize how to build a multiracial church. See, it's one thing for people to come together, worship together, and go home and go do life together. But when you have intentionality in your leadership, intentionality on your staff, you have intentionality on the stage. I have a friend of mine who's a very well-known evangelist around the world, has thousands of people at his annual conference. And we've been friends for 10 years. And I had to tell him last year, I said, bro, at your conference, you have 25 speakers and you only have black people leading worship. Out of 25 speakers, you have no black people. Now, whether you know this or not, that does send a message to our equality and that sends a message to our importance. And so when you're intentional, if you're doing a conference, you can have uh, your conference resemble heaven you know, have some diversity on your team and your staff. And that's what we've done at our church. We have a 50-50 rule, meaning that we don't want people to feel like they're a minority. And uh, at first I took 20 white people that I had and I said, I need you to get on every picture. I need you to get on the stage if you can't sing, we'll turn your microphone off. Oh, I off. see how you're using us. I see what you were doing there. You didn't ask me. <laughs> we were intentional because we were basically sending a statement to the world that you're welcome here. And so I think that as a pastor, if you can start to be intentional, for example, when we were all black and we would have white people come, we would go after them. I mean, you're coming over to my house, you know, we don't get them over to pastor's house because they visit on the first Sunday, especially when you have a larger church. But when I'm intentional about my diversity, I'm trying to make those people feel like they are at home here. Mm-hmm. So they buy pop, you know, and people will say, well, that's respect of person. No, it's respect of vision. And my vision is greater than your um, your worry about discrimination. Wow. I want our mm. church 
to be the answer to the pandemic of racism. That's, so that's great. Just a few things. I'm gonna steal that. Really good. I'm a respecter <laughs> really of vision. Yes. That is good. That's really good. That Ooh, that's dropping yeah. fire. <laughs> that, that is that is so good. That's really good. You know the the to me as a pastor the the difficulty is in this that all lives matter but right now that our black brothers and sisters are hurting so how can we say black lives matter without aligning ourselves with the organization that we may not all agree with yeah for me um i personally haven't used the top the tag black lives matter but um just to be raw with you in this green room setting i'd love to see my white brothers and sisters use it because mm-hmm. it's one thing for a minority to step up and say i've been wrong but for there to be lasting change power has to speak the power and i love what you guys are doing i love to see uh, my white brothers and sisters posting and taking a stand for something but i personally because i know the foundation of the organization i just haven't used it but this is what we can do we can use and that's why we need our own movement guys we need a church we need a spirit-led movement mm, it's good. Um, azusa, azusa street yeah. in the early 1900s william seymour that was a multicultural charismatic movement that we're still a part of today wow. and so okay if you don't want to use black lives matter you can still hashtag in racism hashtag better together let's make up some stuff you know <laughs> but you can still get the same message without aligning with the organization right so I know that, that that term is common now. So if people are using Black Lives Matter, I'm okay with it because they don't understand where it's coming from. But at the same time, I think we can begin our own our own slogan, you know. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So help us out. What which ones ha- have you used? Have you used that stronger together and we're we just processing it right now, but those are the things that I'm thinking about. Okay. Love thy neighbor, um, better together. Um, uh, one race. I'm big on one race right now. That's Just good. actually finishing mm. the book about it should be done in the next 60 days. Because I think the problem that we have is we have not looked at race through God's lenses. And in the Bible, um, when God talks about people, he talks about them in nationalities, Egyptians, Ishmaelites, etc. He talks about them as Jew and Gentile, saved and unsaved, light and darkness, but he never uses black, white, yellow, brown, and red. We get that from evolution and Darwinism thinking which says that the lighter you are, the higher you are up the evolutionary chain and the darker you are. So the, the theory that's being taught in our public school is racist in its foundation. And the church list, the Bible says, we've been made in the image and the likeness of God. So the first thing that we have to do as pastors and as leaders is redefine race. So how does God view race? He views it that there's one race, the human race. And the human race has a lot of different colors and shades and nationalities and flavors. And we love those things. It's what gives us um, uniqueness. But at the same time, we're still one race. We're homo sapiens. And so if I need a kidney, if me and Randy, if we have the same blood type, I might be able to get a kidney from you, but can't get it from Dar. So the truth is, even genetically speaking, we're a lot more alike than we are separate. Mm-hmm. Human beings, they say, are 99.5% the same. I have a retina. You have retina. I have fingerprints. You have fingerprints. I have DNA. You have DNA. And the Bible says that when God created man, he created them from dirt and he breathed into man's nostrils. Man became a living soul. And we're just different colors of dirt. In North Carolina, you got red dirt. West Virginia, you got black dirt. Bahamas, you got white dirt. And from the dirt you came to the dirt you're going to return. And we're dividing over dirt. Mm -hmm. Satan is sitting back and laughing that we are divided over dirt. Mm -hmm. 
It's pigment, it's melanin. It's a small part of who we happen to be. So we first have to redefine what real race is. And there's one race. So I think if we hashtag stuff like one race, better together, stronger than ever, love thy neighbor, we can create our own our own flow. Wow, that is, that is good. And uh, you said that book is, you're gonna be finishing that book when? Um, we're done with first edits, already got 50,000 words done. So it's just based upon when we can get um, some of the, the last edits and stuff done. So hopefully in the next 60 days. Well, I, I, I'm it's sure I, better right now I speak for all of us that we can't wait to get our hands on that. And uh, we'll make sure yeah. that that's available, uh, Randy, on yeah. your website uh, whenever certainly. it does come out so that we can make it as easy as possible for people to get their hands on because um, yeah. it sounds it's going to be very helpful. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing your heart. Um, you know, I wanted to maybe kind of close the conversation today. I think we can, we could talk for a long time on this, but I want to close it with, with one last question. And, and that really is involved around how do we, you know, everybody has talked about just kingdom perspective and, and, and so how do we as the church, but as Christians, um, as, as followers of Jesus, how do we keep this conversation going? Uh, what should we do so that we can continue to promote change um, and and kingdom perspective um, as as we move forward? What are things that we should be doing, could be doing? Sure. Um, I, I, I will say that the difficulty that we have right now is, well, let me say the blessing that we have right now is that everybody is aware. And so mm -hmm. I think it just being aware, um, you know, I know that in my church, so as a pastor, when I am greeting people in the lobby, I'm looking for the person that's new. I'm looking for the person that doesn't look familiar with anything, and I go after them. I intentionally go and make myself available to show myself friendly, introduce myself to them. And I think the steps that we should be taking is to pursue people that way. Um, that if we see somebody that's not like us, we can learn something. Maybe go and pursue them, ask them the coffee, talk to them, express your your love for them. Um, those are steps that we can do because we can't control the, the world narrative, but we can control here. And ask God to check my heart. God, what, what's in what's in my heart? Because if I fix it there, then I can address it at home. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, it'll change the world. But we have to start with ourselves. And I think so, that is just making a decision to pursue one. And if I pursue one, then it can continue to happen. And I think my, my assistant said something to me when this whole thing started that really, it, it wrecked me, but it was such a powerful statement. She says, I don't know what to say. But I do know where I'm going to start, and it's going to be with my son. She just had a baby. Mm. She said, I'm going to raise him so that he is aware. And I thought that's where it starts. That is so wow. good. Yep. You're right. Yep. You said it in your own heart so you can impact your own home, and that's how we can change the world. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think that we can also put it in our ministry um, repertoire or routine, uh, meaning that if you know if we were to really look at General, uh, the church at large, how many series do we hear about equality, diversity, or injustices? Mm -hmm. And so just as um, excited as we are at, for at the movies or a family series or anything else that we do, wouldn't it be great to have a series about this 
maybe not every year, every other year. I mean, just keep it in the water. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want this to be a conversation just because of George Floyd or Maude Aubrey or something that's just a moment in time. But if there's been generation after generation, hundreds of years of oppression, there has to be hundreds of years of the preaching of freedom and liberty for the spirit of oppression to be underneath um, underneath our feet. And so to me, I want to keep this in my waters. And so I will mm-hmm. teach about this. And I think it's great to have panels because what happens is the first thing we have to do is listen and learn before we can love because love is an action word. But I don't want it just to stop with a panel. I also want it to be some preaching under the anointing. So there's times when I've went to churches and I've preached a message that I have called resembling heaven. And at first people kind of sit back with their arms crossed like, okay, what is this black man talking about racial reconciliation? And by the end they're crying, Mm -hmm. worshiping, and we get to repentance and also forgiveness. And I think there's something about preaching under the anointing, like in our regular series on a Sunday morning, giving people an opportunity to even come to the altar Mm because black people need to repent. White people need to repent and everybody in the, in the <laughs> people need to receive forgiveness. Yeah. They, they need to release forgiveness. And all of those are very spiritual things. And I think if the church can begin to create somewhere in our regular routine space for that, we'll make some great strides. That's great. Wow. Maybe, maybe even to add to that, one other thought I had was, you know, with our staff's cultural uh, sensitivity training mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. development, because you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And there are people I know that can help make that aware. I'm left-handed, and so I'm I'm raised in a right-handed world. So growing up, you know, I knew there was a time where my parents tried to force me to be right-handed because if you were left-handed, that wasn't a good thing. Right. So I'm ambidextrous mm-hmm. this day. I've had to learn how to adapt my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And so I think some training with, you know, uh, sensitivity training would be very beneficial. I totally agree with you. I think uh, – for me, as a person, as just a Christ follower, I think the first step that that I've now learned that I'm glad I, I took it this way was to realize that you are prejudiced. I don't care who you are listening to this. It starts with me. I'm prejudiced. I'm not saying I'm racist, and I'm not saying you're racist, but I am saying that you're prejudiced. In other words, we all have prejudged certain things hey let's go eat chinese food i don't like chinese food you already made up your mind you've never been to this restaurant you don't know what they serve you don't know what it's like i mean all sorts of things like that we are all prejudiced in so many ways and if you don't first admit to that then you'll never lean in and listen to what these pastors are saying and and be able to have empathy if you don't first realize i need to to gain understanding and look i was raised in it in the hood in in baker louisiana is it's it's the baton rouge if you go to the bad part of town that's where i grew up okay (laughs) and so i i've been around diversity my whole life and yet as much as i was around it there was a whole lot i didn't understand that's why i said that two hour conversation two and a half hours was so enlightening to me and it was because i chose to realize there's probably some things I don't know. And as I began to lean in, I gained understanding. So therefore, I am better equipped to lead my church differently. And as Ken, as you said, it was a conversation that we had. 
but it doesn't end with a conversation. It now starts with how I'm gonna lead my family, uh, conversations I've already had with them, and how I'm gonna have conversations with the church. It's already started with them, but it isn't gonna end with that. This is a journey, and including sensitivity training mm-hmm. to our staff. I, I want every, I had an epiphany as Paul. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my prayer, but it will never happen unless you realize there is some darkness in your life, things you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, yeah. we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And the only way to learn that is being open to that. So that, that's my word of wisdom. Man, so good. This, um, I, I hope for all of you that are listening that this conversation has been uh, encouraging, um, helpful, enlightening, brought understanding, um, and, and really uh, maybe challenged you to even try some things to be intentional and kingdom-minded in your own churches and in your own communities. And Pastor Bernard and Pastor Ken, we can't thank you enough for joining us uh, on this episode and, and just sharing just a, a little bit of your heart. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank so you, much. Yes. Thank Listen, you. I'm better because of friends like you guys. So uh, hopefully our thank you. Uh, and hopefully people that are listening will be better because of this conversation. And uh, Ken, thank you as well for taking time to, to write this book. Uh, it will be on the resources page on my site. As soon as you get it published and out, it'll be there. I want to share that with our listeners. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And Kristen, as always, thank you for being the, the rose amongst all the thorns here. <laughs> Somebody's got to hurt the cat. So, I don't know. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.